We're back! We're back! This is a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? Doing all right, man. How are you? I'm fine. Everything's good. I Actually, I'm bad now because like, if I talk to my parents oh. on wow. the phone... It's a real dramatic turnabout. Just no, 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 no. I don't mean the actually I'm bad thing. Oh. I don't mean that. I'm not... I'm, I mean that like I call my parents... And I'll be like, how you doing? And they're, they're like, we're fine. And they're like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. And like, honestly, like, I could have my arm sawed off in like an accident or something oh. like that. And I would still say I'm fine. I wouldn't like, I you've wouldn't. Entered, you've entered wasp mode. Yeah, I don't have the, I don't have the effort to like give like scant details. And Conversation I don't, too spicy. I also don't know like what people are going to care about. Like if I tell my parents like, listen, I'm in love with our Nespresso machine. Because it's new and it makes me so happy. <laughs> no one gives a fuck at all. Like it's just. I think. That, well, I mean, if you put that in Slack, I think that people like. I'm very happy that you're so happy with your coffee machine. I know I get the sense it's changed your whole perspective on things. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I get up by my coffee with my oat creamer and I'm happy for the day. But no one, like, I know you're being nice. No one is normal. Oh, I would because I just said that it's me. But you mean like people that you're related to? Like actual, like yeah, like I mean, just actual sentient people. And like people who like, yeah, like my even my parents aren't gonna care. I think they're, look, they're looking for a litany of health problems when people ask how you are. That's how I. Yeah, that's how it. <laughs> the whole experience of talking to my parents. My dad. I don't think I'm putting his business on the street here. He's he's doing a round of prednisone for a thing that he'd had, and he is fucking keyed up. <laughs> and so it's like when Trump came out of the hospital and he's like, "I'm gonna kiss all the boys and girls and kiss them every day, kiss them." Like that's kind of like my dad now, but just talking about like an attempt to reduce stuff in the kitchen we'll be like countertops we're changing the game <laughs> all over the fucking place oh that was a good james austin johnson of trump that was good I uh, it's that. The, yeah it is it's an invitation of an invitation but it's good like his energy's big by the way that other voice you heard was our guest this week it's uprock senior film and culture writer and the host of Pod Yourself a Gun, Vince Mancini. Hi, Vince. Oh, hey. wow. I was wondering who that was. How you doing? Hey, hey man. Drew, so you, do you always podcast where you're like standing like this? It feels like you're giving a, a keynote uh, address like inside my computer window. I do. Yes. So I, I work at a standing desk because uh, my orthopedist 10 years ago was like, you can't sit because you your back mm. doesn't work. You have to stand while you're working. So I said, all right, fine. So when we first did this podcast, I had a microphone stand. So it was sitting on like, like in front of my computer. But then the producer at the time, Mondana, she said, Drew, like you don't steer, stay near the microphone enough. Like, cause I would just be like, blah, 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 and like, like my, mm-hmm. my levels would go all over the fucking place. For the listeners, he's moving his head back and forth as he says that's that. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah. I think it came through in the audio. <laughs> Here, wait, yes, I, that is true. He was doing it. Wait, let me see if I do this. Ah. Uh, wow. It's incredible. Uh, Welcome that, to this sonic man. journey. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I was like, all right, well then I'll just hold it for this, you know, whatever podcast I was doing then I'll just hold it. And then I felt like I was like a comedian. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this this effect. So now I just hold the mic while I'm standing while we record the podcast. And then everyone asks me why. And that's my incredible story, Vince Mancini. <laughs> it was the hardest thing for me to get used to. Because I did the, the podcast with him for like a couple of years without being able to see him. You know, you just hear him over the headphones and that's that. Oh, that's right. And then... Once we started doing it over Zoom and he's like got the kind of Dennis Leary thing going on where he's walking around. He's like, what else? What else? Mike Zimmer. Don't like him. You know, like, but it's like really. 
awesome. It brings a lot of energy to it that you wouldn't ordinarily get, I think, if we were just on a call together. You know, we've yeah. gotten Dennis Leary as a cop, and we've gotten Dennis Leary as a firefighter, but I don't think we've had Dennis Leary as a troop yet in like a gritty FX show, Vince Mancini. He's in Operation Dumbo Drop as a soldier. Nah, it doesn't count. What about, that like, doesn't count? Uh, what about like a post postman? You know, just some other government job that's not uh, as cool. <laughs> Working stiff. Yeah, yeah but, but he's would, got opinions. There would have to be like a house of mail carriers, and they all give each other shit like about who they're dating at the time mm. and I was like hey he's going out with that weird chick <laughs> <laughs> wow that's a pitch perfect invitation of at least three guys on rescue me I remember how long did you have to work on it I, I remember wish, watching I MTV could... when I was a kid and like they would do little interstitial ad, interstitial ads where Dennis Larry would do stand up like in front of like in like an alleyway and I was like that is so badass oh yeah. I want to be a comedian just like that. He doesn't give no fucks at all. That guy. <laughs> Sorry, Vince, you were talking. Oh, I only I only experienced Dennis Leary like through truck ads these days. I feel like I don't. I, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen him anywhere else other than a voice being like, "You gotta get this step. The step on your Ford is gonna be." <laughs> <laughs> yes. I lo- that was the best because it was like Dennis Leary ranting about how awesome it was to have a step on the side of your truck, and then like Chevy came out with one with Howie Long, where he was basically like, "Hey, nice step, you pussy!" Like their entire ad campaign <laughs> was like, "It's gay to be. <laughs> it's gay to." Uh, <laughs> To, to like <laughs> save your back by walking up because you, you tight pants make it hard for you to step all the way up. <laughs> yeah, not the not a problem for me. You might catch a heel on that step. <laughs> it is funny because pickup trucks are the like dominant, like they're the best selling uh, vehicles on the American car market, and nobody uses them for pickup truck shit. Like nobody, they're just nope. they're oh, fucking yeah. they're SUVs with a flatbed, and so like every ad, like it's like this is the grittiest truck you'll ever own, and then it's like. Like a bunch of yuppies, like clapping along to "We Will Rock You," like touching like an iPad touch screen, and then like, oh, I, I don't have to lift, I don't have to step all the way into the tailgate. It's it, it comes down into a, like a miniature staircase, and then it fans you with little yeah. fans as you get up. I and love butt. that shit too. The and the definitely that split between the ads where it's constantly like someone's just dropping a bunch of broken concrete into the bed of the truck for like whatever reason or like this is what your life is like and like every pickup truck i mean i live in new york city it's different every pickup truck that i see here is driven from suffolk county on long island by a police officer it is perfectly pristine clean yes! because they only ever drive it on roads and it's like the most important thing in their life and then they just park it in the middle of the sidewalk outside the precinct because that's the new thing cops like to do. It's just basically like they found a way to say fuck you while they're not even there, which is just parking a car on the sidewalk. I respect it. I respect they, it. Yeah, that would yeah. be. See, I think Dennis Leary would do well in an ad that was like that, where it's like, are you a pedestrian? No. Hell yeah. J.D. Power says, like, this car takes up more sidewalk than anybody else. And like, that's, I think that would be really good for him. <laughs> Uh, Vince, we got to talk about the NFL because uh, you are an NFL fan. You're a Niners I fan. I am. Can, uh, yeah. can, can we talk about Sunday afternoon's game? I want to take. I want to go through your emotional state uh, during that game because it was a game that essentially the Niners dominated for the first three quarters, and all they really had to do was hang on mm. against Mike and, McCarthy. Right? And Kyle like, Shanahan teams are traditionally so good at just keeping leads. <laughs> Holding leads like throughout the second half and into the fourth quarter, like everybody says it, uh, he's a closer. You know, that's his that's yep. his whole thing. Well, that was it because in the third quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Brandon Ayuk uh, uh, mm-hmm. on like a long pass, and I mean maybe maybe he would have gotten caught, but it sure looked like a touchdown in the way that the 
the overthrow that he had in the Super Bowl looked like a fucking gimme touchdown. And so it was like, oh, uh-oh. And yeah, then... Oh, he's back. Yeah. yeah. And then he threw a fucking horrific pick, and the Cowboys cut it to six. So when they cut it to six, at that point, were you thinking, oh, we're fucked? Or yeah. did you have faith that Mike McCarthy would fuck himself in the end? No, I try to uh, have the lowest expectations. I try to prepare for the worst because then I can be pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that one, I feel like the lowest moment was the m- moment I thought for sure they're going to lose is when he decided to, uh, it was like fourth and one or something, or something like that. And instead of running a play, he just decided to take the uh, the delay of game penalty for some reason. Yeah. And Oh, I was, yeah. I was yeah. like, this is some galaxy brain bullshit. I don't know what we're going for here. It also just so feels like such a losing move. Like, not to yeah. get too, like, Greg Easterbrook on that ass, but it is, like, if you win a game having done that, like, you still don't get to leave feeling awesome about it. Right. It's like when you, yeah, it's like at the end of the first half and you just take a kneel. It's like, well, why don't you just forfeit the game if you're not going to run? Yeah. <laughs> If you're not going to run plays. Uh, Well, it's such a it's such whiplash because they're going for it on fourth and one, essentially to ice the game. And you're like, "Fuck yeah, they want to win. They want to do this," and then they can't even they can't even get the snap off. Like that's just it. Just goes from like inspiring to debilitating in just like that. I mean, it felt like they had the game iced about five different times. Uh, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like I had like stress diarrhea during that game. I mean, there was the. penalty that went against the Cowboys at a certain point and the announcers were like well that'll probably be it for the game and then there was like four more uh, four more close calls after that alright so then take me through the last possession with Dallas uh, they rip off and I, I remember this they got I think it was 39 yards in four plays or um, <laughs> they like they went it was effortless they went down the field like it was nothing Yeah, and then and then came the final play. Can you take me through your emotional state as you were watching it? Um, uh, yeah. I mean, like that drive, I was like, oh, well, this is going to be Aaron Rodgers all over again. Of course, they're going to score. Um, and then, you know, they get that that run. Well, there was that play where Shanahan did something where he, like, lined up all of the defenders on the sidelines. Yeah. So that yes. was the like last couple of plays of the game he was doing. Right. Just seal off. Really weird to look at. Just seal off out routes, basically. Yeah, it made sense. It was just visually very jarring. Uh, yeah. If you like, I was watched like, a normal oh, football game. This is going to be a dumb plan that goes bad. That was what I was thinking when that happened. And then, you know, they ran up the middle. And I guess it worked out because he couldn't get that last snap off. And, um, and that was just like a mixture of joy uh like there was a little bit of empathy for uh cowboys fans at that point but then i like to go online and watch all the videos of cowboys fans like just destroying their tvs and stuff and then i was like ah, <laughs> yeah. now it's Wait, now it's, back. it's turned to schadenfreude again and there's no one that's more fun to beat than the cowboys because i would argue that like wherever you're from in the country like the worst person in your friends group is always a cowboys fan that's true yeah. That was what joke that I really enjoyed that I saw on Twitter maybe a dozen times. Every one of them was a delight for me where they're like, this has to be a tough day for Cowboys fans because the Lakers lost and the Cowboys <laughs> lost. Yeah. Yeah. Were you watching alone, Vince, or were you with company? Uh, I I made I was watching yeah I was watching alone we had we all had COVID last week so I was watching basically. Oh no, that sucks. Yeah. No, it was fine. We're all great. Uh, but uh, I definitely made. I have a four month old who I was like holding. 
in my lap and trying not to like scream in his ear. And I think I ma- I think I only made him cry twice during uh, that final drive. Are you a new dad? That's, yeah. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. You enjoying yeah, it? How yeah. is it? It's good. I mean, we just hit the like the good stage. I feel like 4 months is that sweet spot between like they can acknowledge you and grab stuff and smile, but they 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 can't like crawl around and like stick forks in sockets quite yet. <laughs> right, so, they can't get away. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> that was very responsible of you to make not make too much noise. Like it was I was amazed when I was a new dad that I was able to like contain myself that went away after a few years. Like now I just rant like a yeah. fucking lunatic. But if yeah, I so had if been you were worried your... that you were going to become normal, Vince, uh, good <laughs> news. Yeah. That was never a worry of mine. <laughs> like if I had been a, a Niners fan, right. When Nance screams out, Oh, I don't think that's going to work out for them, which is just so good. Mm. I would have just fucking died. I would have yeah. been. Well, it was funny because it was like, at that point in that game where it had just been five separate times where we thought the game was over, um, there was a uh, that last play, like there was no discussion over it. It was kind of just like, yep, that's it, it's over. Like there was no there was no replay, there's no challenge. It was kind of just like, yep, that's the end of the game, it's done. It was like there was a finality to it that was uh, we were not used to at that point of the game. A ref announcing that the game is over is always fun. Like, because he's yeah. always like, go the fuck home. We're yeah, done. Get, yeah, it, get it, out of right? here. It's t- turning the lights on at the bar. Just like, <laughs> this is it. That's exactly right. They should just like shut the power off. Like, yeah. like yep. there's no fun. <laughs> I, I remember I had a party in high school at my house. I lived way out in the country. And, uh, you know, the good thing about being a teenager is that when you have a party, like a hundred more people will show up than, uh, than you expect. And I remember when I wanted people to go home, one time I just had to bring out the super soaker and just like start squirting people with a squirt gun. And I kind of wish like the refs had gone into like the Cowboy Stadium and then just started squirting people with a super soaker. Like, all right, just you guys like get, get the fuck out of here now. Spraying <laughs> Mike McCarthy with one of those little like pump things like he's a bad cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's from Pittsburgh, right? Or something like that. He McCarthy? looks he looks very much like someone from Pittsburgh. There's zero doubt. I, I don't about know that. what his his background is. Like I think he's just like ethnically a football coach. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I remember the Hard Knocks uh hearing like his weird uh Pittsburgh. I I want to I just want them to do a like Mayor of Easttown uh for Pittsburgh cuz I feel like that is an underexplored accent. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there. That was when I wrote the post about how um, local sports announcers should have local sports accents or like they should mm-hmm. talk like that. There were a lot of clips of a guy named Myron Cope, who is a Pittsburgh sportscaster <laughs> in there. And he was like one step removed from those people that live on barrier islands outside of North Carolina and like just sound like they're living in the 1700s. Like Myron Cope is like every Eastern European accent jammed together and communicating in a lingo that is unrecognizable to <laughs> other Americans. Like one of his like signature phrases was just being like whore, poor poor or something like it was just like sounds <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was incredible i recommend uh looking in the comments under that post for it or you guys you could just look up myron cope yourself but uh it's uh, real the, pittsburgh shit the niners are not uh out of the playoffs yet vince but uh mm. oh, no, i don't we're gonna get... i don't i don't know i don't think this will be dependent on whether or not they beat green bay at green bay they won't be favored to but what do they do with their quarterbacks after the season because Essentially, they they traded the farm for Trey Lance. They didn't really play him much this season. 
And Jimmy Garoppolo did his Jimmy Garoppolo thing where he was like competent, but like made like two or three really awful throws per game. Mm -hmm. And they're still like, but they still have essentially, it's almost like they forgot they had a Super Bowl roster that he had to work with. And so he like, they were, they're really good. So what the fuck do they do now? I mean, I don't know. I've suffered through what, five years of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo now. And it's kind of like, even, even if he's their best option at this point it's kind of like he's he's that most heartbreaking of uh, talent levels where it's like he's just good enough to get you places but uh just bad enough to always fuck it up it seems like and uh i don't know that's that's a particularly crushing uh level to be at i i don't know i don't know if i we could do that for much longer it's almost worth going with the younger guy just to even if you have to suffer through like a, a season, like for just for the hope that he might be uh, good <laughs> and not yeah. like just above average, I guess, or, or, or mediocre, which is kind of what we're dealing with now, it seems like. Does Jimmy irritate you? Do you find him irritating? Like the way that like anyone who's ever had to watch Kirk Cousins finds him deeply irritating. Do you find Jimmy irritating? No, he doesn't have that like Philip Rivers, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I'm trying to think of the most obnoxious uh quarterback he just seems like a bland handsome guy i don't really know i don't have like a strong sense of his personality at this point i don't know if if you guys No, but do. i don't i don't even mean personality wise i mean in terms of what he's doing on the field where you're like wow you know he he's good and yet he's bad and yeah. i don't know why he doesn't have those like impressive throws you know like watching uh, I don't know, like Herbert or Stafford or something. Like, he doesn't throw. Oh, like Herbert's a, Herbert's a fucking supernova. That's right. Stuff. Yeah, but he doesn't have like he doesn't throw like a nice ball traditionally. Like, he, he, his his great throws seem to be surprises more than their uh, standard. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to steer this back towards the Giants, but it sounds like this is like a sort of an Eli type of scenario mm-hmm. where you're aware that you could be a lot worse off than you are at that position, just in the sense that like the guy can do certain things. And yet like the mistakes that they make are, it's the same type of mistake every time. Like it's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick YOLO disease or whatever. (laughs) It's just that like three throws per game at some time are going to be like weirdly super high and a safety is going to catch. Yeah. (laughs) Well, having uh, gotten uh, beaten, gotten beat by, Eli Manning a lot over the years. He had the one thing that he had, he had this weird ability to avoid a sack when it seemed like everyone was like, yeah. he had a, like some weird sixth sense about not getting sacked. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo does not seem to have that. No. And Eli to whatever, to his credit, it was also like, it, it was not attached to anything that you could call mobility. It was <laughs> yeah. like the way that when Brady was for a while talking about how pliable he was, <laughs> And then they would ask other def- like defensive players that had sacked him, and they were like, "Yeah, it does feel different when you hit him. Like <laughs> it's like big I, I don't know what he just <laughs> right. Just like it's like squeezing like a weird piece of fruit. Like it's not right. E- Whatever it is, e- like Eli just seems like maybe he's like a younger brother who's who's uh, used to just like using all of his wiles to escape getting his ass kicked. <laughs> 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 right. Like it's all just he's really good at like whatever like Sweet Pea Whitaker style evading getting like yeah. clocked har- square in the face by cooper well i mean I, I feel like it's old now to describe players as streaky but that's what eli was uh yeah and it's like i don't think that is acceptable anymore for football fans like i can't tolerate a guy who's gonna like play really well for three games and then play like absolute shit for the like the next two after that like i need him 
to be good all the time. And that's a lot to ask of an NFL quarterback because yeah. it's a hard, hard job. But it, like, I think quarterbacks, yeah. too, that are like that are, like, managed into being less like that now. Like, that was, like, the Tannehill experience. And it's less like that now, I think, just because he's doing different shit. It's not Adam Gase coaching him anymore or whatever. Also, right. but, like, with Jimmy Garoppolo, like, his, like, the good games of his that you remember when you look at his stat line it's never like oh four touchdown passes and he threw for 350 like he he almost never throws for more than 225 250 at the absolute most like his best game ever is never gonna he's i don't know he he doesn't he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's uh gonna carry the game for you ever no i i agree with that if you can't throw for yardage that's bad you never want that quarterback where like he only got 200 yards passing, and it seemed like he had to like really work hard to get to get those 200 yards. That's always brutal. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I can't really watch that at all. Um, do you want to talk a little more football before we talk movies, Vince? Whatever you guys want to do, I'm happy to talk uh, any of it. Well, I, why don't we delight yeah. for a moment in the fact that Big Ben's no longer in the playoffs, <laughs> and in theory, Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to be in the NFL anymore. But I just want to note that as of this recording, the motherfucker still hasn't retired. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why won't these players just fuck off, Roth? Why do they milk this <laughs> shit forever? It's killing me. Like, they're all proceeding as if he is retired, but he hasn't formally done it yet, which means he can return, which means I got to hear thank you, Ben, potentially. Like, thank you, Ben, with uh, fucking seven instead of the A in the placard when he comes back for another year. Why can't I just be rid of this motherfucker? Well, because he, uh, he doesn't have another job lined up, I feel like. Because yeah. who's going to want to look at that giant fucking cinder block of a head <laughs> on a telecast? Like, they're going to have to get a different lens uh, if he ever becomes an analyst where he's on camera a lot. Yeah, oh god. He's gonna like the whatever, the old Beastie Boys video fish eye lens so that his face is less oppressive. <laughs> so what you want? I remember that. Yeah. I, that is, there's definitely something about that element of it that I think is there. Like he's not gonna be on TV. He doesn't want like he doesn't like seemingly anything or anybody. <laughs> like he's gonna disappear onto like a farm where he raises the most vicious dogs. And that's like that's the rest of his his days. Like he might not be in a rush to get to that. I, I don't know if I would be. See, I, I thought I thought the same thing about Randy Moss when he retired. Like, I wrote it. I was like, well, he he's his own, he's a, he's a curious kind of guy. He's just going to fish in West Virginia for the rest of his days. I was talking about him like I was talking about fucking Kerry Collins becoming a goat farmer or something like that. <laughs> and now he's just a boilerplate, like, talking head on TV. Like, they, they hire these guys anyway. Like, my dream for Ben Roethlisberger, Vince, is that he becomes, like, a, a big a, a late night shit poster like he's mm. just like like he's like Aubrey Huff like he doesn't like do anything he just uh. like at three o'clock he'll just be on the toilet and like he'll like he'll start a Twitter feud with like fucking Judy Tenuta like he just gets really fucking <laughs> I, like think just, I think these guys get so used to just traveling all the time that uh, they have marriages that are uh, sort of based on not being around each other all the, yeah, all the time. Right. Yeah, so then they, like a hundred so, days a year is like the most that they can be managed yeah. to be married. So maybe ben, maybe Big Ben needs to become like a long haul trucker. Like it's some, some other job that uh, takes him away from the house uh, for long periods of, 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 at a time. Uh, Whatever it is. I mean, it's like, I, it, as long as he does it out of the public eye, I'll be fine with it. Like, it, it felt like this year everybody was kind of like trying to be polite about it. If he sticks around for another year, I think people will be less polite about it. Like, he's not going to get like given a rocking chair by the Cincinnati Bengals organization or whatever. Like, this isn't a Kareem type scenario. He wasn't that good. And also everyone disliked him. So I think that this is like, 
you know, whatever. You get the little montage, like Jim Nance calls you a family man on television. That's everybody <laughs> that's telling you to go. Like, that's it. Yeah. You don't get that twice. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could say it was understated, but this last Monday night game was just brutal watching. And, like, there was – they were better about it um, – Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth in the uh, in the Sunday night beatdown against the Chiefs because you can't say anything nice about them while well, it's getting a right. shit pushed in by Kansas City, which is great, yeah. great. But uh, but I don't have faith that the football media industrial complex will like you know will will get be over him if he decides to come back again. I, they're gonna be like, oh, thank God he's he's back, and Mason Rudolph doesn't have to play for this shitty team. <laughs> Is, uh, is Rudolph still their go-to uh, backup behind Big Ben? Mike Tomlin it's him said and Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, Mike, they're two A and two B. Yeah, it's a competition, baby. Ooh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a scintillating training camp, Vince. You're gonna love it. <laughs> uh, before we get to the uh, the break, we'll co- we'll take a break and we'll talk about movies. But uh, before we do, there are four games this weekend: divisional round games: Bengals at Titans, 49ers at Packers. Rams at Bucks and Bills at Chiefs. Which of those matchups do you like the best, Vince? I mean, I'd be into that uh, Bills-Chiefs uh, matchup. I'm a big... I, I, I like Josh Allen. He's a Central Valley guy, so I gotta I, I gotta enjoy his game. Where? Do you know what town? Yeah, Firebaugh. Oh, wow. Fire, okay. Firebox? Firebaugh. It's a... Uh, okay, okay. That's a little bit different. I was yeah, like, they think yeah. the town? That would be like, wow. That's like, the, a, like a what's pervert the, English town. It's Fireball, like, is that the Bakersfield metro area? Okay. Like, what are we talking so about? So there, there are two main uh, freeways going through the Central Valley, which is I-5 and uh, Highway 99. And Highway 99 is a little, a little further east, and that's more towards uh, Fresno. So when you're going from Fresno to like San Francisco or L.A., you do have to cut over to the 5 at some point. And Fireball is like the town that's perfectly in between those two highways so it's like a way station that you go through and there's nothing really there except like a good burger place and that's the only reason i remember it's the place that you cut over you stop for a burger uh and then you keep going real time that honestly is like pretty solid branding for a town like there's yeah. not going to be like what else would they possibly have like <laughs> whatever a hundred miles of pear orchards like that's not of any you know interest to you yeah that is that that's a bitching game bill's chiefs i think the other sunday game with the rams and the bucks could be really interesting. The, the Saturday games, uh, I I want them to be good, but I I fear they may not be. I'm, yeah, I'm worried. The Bills were so they looked so good against the Patriots, and they looked so dicey down the stretch that like I'm all the way back on board and think that game will be cool too. But there's definitely still this part of me that remembers the Bills like whatever, like losing to Jacksonville, like just like randomly looking capable of losing to anyone and not scoring a touchdown against Jacksonville. They are right. streaky. I mean, yeah, but they absolutely pantsed the Patriots. That I mean, that so was like as a hardcore a beating as I've seen in the playoffs. Like, I mean, whatever in ten years, historic. It was historic. Beat. They never. Yeah. Every every drive was a fucking touchdown. The only time they didn't score a touchdown was they kneeled to to end the <laughs> fucking game. That's. Crazy. I mean, it's hard to talk about the NFL in terms of with any sort of consistency like you used to. Like you used to think of like, oh, this team does this and that team does that, but then. Now it just seems like okay, well, this game, this team has six players out for COVID, and uh, yeah. like there's like you don't get the same team in every game, so it's kind of a who knows what you're gonna get. Although I do think game. that they basically, you know, they they already changed the protocols, and I I have not really heard of anybody getting COVID listed this week. I think for the the final stretch, they're gonna be like, you're fine. 
Like, yeah. You have, yeah. like if you get, get positive tests, they're gonna be like, why don't you, uh, why don't you go to the bathroom while I throw this in the garbage? And no one's looking. <laughs> right. Like the CDC has changed its guidelines for tight ends, actually, uh, and we're gonna, you're gonna be able to get back out there just as soon as you blink two times. Right directly after each other. And then that's it. Let's uh, let's take a break and come right back and talk movies with Vince Mancini. We'll be right back. We're back with Vince Mancini of uh, Uprox. And uh, by the way, and I hate to ask this on the air, but I'm going to ask it. Is it still called <laughs> Film Drunk? If I go to filmdrunk.com, do I yeah, go? Yeah, it's still there. It's still like uh, a... V- technically like a vertical uh, within the Uprox umbrella, just without... Quite as much uh, branding. Vince is like Vince is part of the old internet guard, going back way back with me, like back when Uprox had with leather and like what would Tyler Durden do, mm. and oh yeah, all these all these other sites, and they don't they really, and of course, Hissing Susan Cobra, which doesn't exist anymore, but Vince is still there, and he's still doing bitchin' ass movie reviews for Uprox, <laughs> and I appreciate. That. Yeah, he's a real bitchin' guy, and I I forgot that I I should have mentioned how bitching he was earlier in the show. Oh, I no like I like just spoiled for flattery right I, now i trust his reviews more than i trust most other critics and not because you're on this show vince because if you if you were annoying i would tell you you were annoying. Mm. but uh also vince and a fellow california dude matt lieb do uh i guess it's the only sopranos podcast yes, that exists that's the only yeah pod, the only sopranos podcast on the internet it's incredible yeah. that you were able to get there first and then also that you were so good at we keep that no one else has tried someone else is gonna start one but it hasn't happened yet so uh <laughs> fingers crossed knock on wood you know what i started doing vince i started doing i did a real pervert move and i started watching boardwalk empire because mm. i had never seen it and i'm like and people are getting shot all over the place and like every time i watched the sopranos all i was hoping for was that someone would get murdered like mm. that was like that was like the old like like you know Afterwards, you're like, wow, it was a really brilliant show. And even when they were like having dream sequences that lasted nine seasons, like, like oh, it was really brilliant. <laughs> but really, I just want people to get killed. And on Borak Empire, so far, everyone's getting murdered. And I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I think the, the first time I watched Mad Men, I was kind of like, so wait, no one ever gets shot on this show? Yeah. Like, I was just, <laughs> yeah. I've watched it again and I love it. But uh, I definitely remember the first run of that show. I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like I need someone to get killed every once in a while at least. Yeah, that was the Sopranos ratio that they understood. I mean, they definitely advertised it as being like, it's the show where they get whacked. And there was like all this, like the advertisement was definitely the lowest common denominator. But even in the show, like as great as it was, it was like they did every now and then they knew to like give you a treat or whatever, or just like have something bad happen to someone you didn't like or whatever. That's been, I mean, that's. Or just like a waiter. That's, but yeah. One of the things that. I've enjoyed about it in the rewatch is that like David Chase, he's this guy who wants to make art and he puts like Buddhist shit and all of this stuff every now and then. But he's also like an old school TV writer at the same time. So you yeah. do get the weird plot lines like, oh, yeah, and so and so has an identical twin. And, uh, you know, you get these weird <laughs> like soap opera moves every now and then. And it's uh, it's a nice mix. I feel. Yeah. Yep. And, and what's interesting is that, you know, I watched and no, I, I don't even think people even, are even even remember that the many states of Newark came out last year because it was so bad mm-hmm. and so forgettable. And so it's interesting to me that like he had this brilliant run with the Sopranos and really has done nothing since. Like he did he did one other movie with James Gandolfini. I didn't watch it. I don't know if it was good, Vince. Did you watch it? 
I watched it. I, I, it was a lot like the Many Saints of Newark to me, which was like as a pilot for a show, it kind of worked. Like the Many Saints of Newark, like I watched it. I I think if there was another episode of it, I would have continued watching it. But it just like they they don't quite. Uh, it doesn't the they don't he doesn't cut down the like side plots that don't really uh, affect the main plot as much yeah. as you'd expect in a movie. So they kind of it feels like sort of disjointed and out of balance. For something that's movie length, and that it was, was ten kind of pounds like of shit in a one pound bag. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, let's talk about movies. I was delighted to see. I just briefly. No, go ahead. Go Ray ahead. Donovan, because I get Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, see a lot of Ray Donovan in the monitors, and there is a Ray Donovan the movie that is like they did a Many Saints of Newark for fucking Ray Donovan <laughs> that includes like some. There's like a Ray Donovan origins with like. Young Ray, young his brother, played by Dash Mihawk, but it's like they really are like leaning into that. Is Ray Donovan a good show? Like does Liam Trevor like not really? No, it's it's not it's not very good. I mean, it's like it's funny. Like tonally, it's not really that different. I think than The Sopranos. There's this sense of it like sort of being an ultra violent comedy of manners, but like it's just not very it's not very good to me. Schreiber's great. He's always great, but it's like I. I don't know. Like mostly uh Ray Donovan to me exists as like a throwaway gag in the grinder where the whole family watches it together and it's just kind of like it's a funny thing that it's out. There. <laughs> right. Uh Vince the uh, the Golden Globes were not televised this year. They weren't even on TV. No mm. no like Ricky Gervais is like Yeah. clapping back at all the all the entitled stars. Yeah. Now, does that it back say Hollyweird? Does that say anything about the award show glut in general and like award show fatigue among both like the people creating the shows and the masses, or is it just the fact that the globes are just a piece of shit that are corrupt and like have all sorts of problematic things going on behind them. And they're just, they deserve to be demoted out of relevance. I mean, they've deserved to be demoted out for like 20 years. And I think the only reason their inception. (laughs) Yeah. Since the beginning, like they've always been a weird, corrupt, uh, organization of like I don't know eighty weird foreign journalists that like to go to parties, um, and like everybody understood that. I feel like this is just uh, like the new thing now. Like last Super Bowl, it seemed like half of the commercials were just corporations apologizing. So like we're doing this yes. thing where organizations like they go on this apology tour. That's they they present it as if they're doing some sort of introspection or they're going to change somehow but it's really it feels like a self-indulgent branding exercise of its own and uh it seems it just felt like the hollywood foreign press uh was in that stage of the self-aggrandizing apology tour yeah they're doing the like whatever the movie critic version is of the wells fargo ads where there's just a stagecoach rolling across the prairie and they're like we're really sorry about the robo signing thing <laughs> yeah that was wrong. Listen, you should still have. Listen, your home. America, we blew it, and we understand. It's like oh, okay. At Wells Fargo, we know <laughs> that immiserating millions of Americans isn't right. My favorite, my favorite uh, example of that is Domino's, essentially in building their entire brand now on the back of the fact that they used to make really shitty pizza. They still make <laughs> yeah. shitty pizza, but like it's slightly better now. They're so just... they're like, oh yeah, yeah. There's garlic <laughs> on the crust now. You better believe it. They're just that. Uh, I think you should leave sketch, but it's like, listen. I used to be a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> that the CEO of Domino's is like, you think this is slick back? This is pushed back. Yeah, uh, it's really like, it is a Dyed white though, hair, little itty bitty jeans, uh, chicken <laughs> spaghetti at Trefani's. 
was going to say. No sloppy molten chocolate cakes, fellas. The Definitely, like, I think Domino's is probably better, but mostly it is just better lit. Like, which is, I guess you got to give them credit for that. Like, they did, it used to be the most depressing of our major American food chains. And I think at this point, that's now reverted to Papa John's. Yeah. That's pot. Although I've eaten in a Jimmy John's too, and let me tell you something. That was a Ooh. sad meal that I. It was very. Uh, it, does it look better under like just a I compact was, I fluorescent was light bulb hanging six inches above your head? I was kind of excited. Like I'm not a snob. Like I was like, oh, I've never had Jimmy John's sandwich. Well, let me see what all the fuss is about. It was a piece of shit. I was like, they wouldn't even toast the bread. Like it was like <laughs> terrible. They're spokes- I sort of yeah. assume that all of those are fine. You know, that like I've never eaten at a Jersey Mike's and I'm obviously biased because, you know, it has Jersey in it. But there's a part of me like I look at it and I'm like, oh, they shredded the lettuce. That's probably like a seven out of ten sandwich. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's I don't need to know anything else about it. Well, really. that's the thing is I, I when I go to a place like that, I expect like a replacement level sandwich. And when it fails to rise up to that, like even Subway yes. now is not good to me. Like I used to like worship Subway when I was a kid. And now it's like the bread is like made of like packing material and, and it's like yeah. i don't know I, I i've grown snobbier maybe but i think the firehouse subs guy is just papa john but they light him differently for the commercials yeah <laughs> That's totally that sounds totally that is fair. a really interesting brand too i've never gotten that you know i've only driven by them on the rare occasions but it does seem like their whole thing is kind of like these are sandwiches that serve you like first responders <laughs> yeah. freshest meats but it's like it never really comes together into like a proposition <laughs> that makes it seem like something to eat it's like the goddamn uh gronk commercials with the troop insurance like the entire yeah. premise of the fucking commercial is that not even Gronk can get this insurance? <laughs> right. And, yeah, you can't like, have it. Why are you in? Why are you advertising this to me? I don't care. Yeah, it is. I, someone, uh, I think it was uh, Susan Kaiser, pointed out that this is all clearly leading to a Super Bowl ad where he fakes, like he steals valor to get the insurance. <laughs> yeah. But it's like all been sort of nibbling at that concept for a long time. And also, like they say, oh, you can get it if you're a family of uh, military. But like, what is that? mean like can i get it because like you know my grandfather was at pearl harbor or whatever like my, right, right. my, co- my cousin's a navy seal yeah. like i would love would love to get some insurance that would be great yeah you have, it's it's exclusive it's the only sort of exclusivity that we we like here in america when troops and cops can have shit that you can't have that's what they that's should, what i'm my heart is warmed what they need is a is a tactical uh a tactical insurance for guys who were really thinking about becoming a navy seal at one point in their lives but they didn't yeah, that would. Be, oh, yeah, almost enlisted. <laughs> so now I get to have the tactical insurance. I was going to, but yeah. my dad's dealership had a spot <laughs> open. And, yeah, that, guys, that, like I do like that Gronk is as ubiquitous. Like the people that somehow show up in the most commercials now. Like it's always been Shaq, and it will always be Shaq. But then after that, it's like if you, like Rashida Jones, Daniel Levy, and Gronk are all like fighting it out for that second spot. Mm. And that's a really interesting competition. Just three really unexpected competitors there. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just that because there's only like four commercials now, but uh, yeah, like that Gronk commercial makes me really angry, and I get weirdly fixated on his like dry, dry but glossy lips as he's doing uh, <laughs> these. Like I, I just want to give him a sip of water, and so every time it comes on, I'm just frustrated by his weirdly dry mouth. <laughs> I would get mad at. Uh, Kate McKinnon, because she would appear yeah. like every five oh, seconds. Yeah. And another, it was not Kate McKinnon's fault, but they were like, you know what? Let's buy all the airtime and just rerun the same fucking Kate McKinnon ad 
as many times as we possibly can. So she's like walking like on ice. Yeah, and like, you didn't write any jokes into it, so can you just walk like you're pooping yeah. while you're walking? Yeah, can you just wave your hands for no reason at all? Like, oh, brilliant. That's I think it's partly her fault. I think she did a thing for a couple years there where every role she would just make a really bizarre character choice. Uh, yep. And for about five minutes, you're always like, oh, man, this is really funny. What a What a weird thing that she's doing. And then... The more times you see it, you're kind of like, "All right, is this is this all there is? Is just weird character choices that don't really make any sense?" Yeah, like so. The thing is not blinking. That's your whole bit. <laughs> it took me five years to figure it out, but there it is. I think we can trace all of that back to Johnny Depp saying that he based Jack Sparrow on Keith Richards' cross with Pepe Le Pew, and like because mm-hmm. it worked once. It worked one time in history when an actor was that fucking weird. Yeah. And it'll never work again, ever. Unless the actor's Nick Cage, it'll never, ever work again. So this was something we were talking about before we started recording. Uh, well, we were talking about it, you know, in the workplace. Some people were saying that Nick Cage has, like, the last honorable movie actor career. I'm not 100% sure of that because he makes nine movies a year and seven of them are just impossibly unwatchable, like, shot in Romania trash. Yeah, you ain't ever heard of, like, half the movies he's made now. But I watched – so when I had uh, COVID over Christmas, I was – like, Kate went up to see her family. Ho, ho, ho. And so I basically had the, like, no wives allowed film festival for three days until I finally tested negative and could go up there. And one of the movies I watched was Pig. And it is, I thought it was great. And I thought that Cage was like, he actually is still not just still capable of giving like a good Nicolas Cage style performance. Like that is way understated for him. Like it was a very different type of performance than I'd seen him give. Yeah. And so the idea that he's like secretly possibly doing his best work in one of those movies where he's, it's just called like, Soggy Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, and it's like just him on a horse yeah. looking like he fell in a bog the whole time. Like, Vince, I know you don't have to watch those movies, but I, like, yeah. is Nicolas Cage having, like, is he actually having a good second or third act of his career? No, I think he just does, okay. I, I think he that's, makes enough movies that one of them's going to be good every now and then. I Like, okay, I think the fair. reason, I liked Pig also, but I feel like most of the reason that movie works is that you're expecting the other 10 uh, shitty Nick Cage movies where you see it, like, like you see the plot buildup of pig and you're like, okay, this is going to be like John wick with a pig and Nick Cage yeah. is going to like go revenge, kill everybody. And just by virtue of like not hey, being no that, it makes it interesting. Yes. Yeah. Like it, I guess that it's true. Cause it's like as sort of grimy as it is, like, it doesn't make the dumbest possible choice, which I guess that's like give Cage credit on lowering the bar that like the fact that he doesn't like kill someone. Sorry, spoiler that it does not end with him killing people with a samurai sword. You're kind of like terrific. Yeah. Really didn't expect it makes that. a series of surprising choices. And it's I don't know what, a hundred minutes long or something like that. Yes, just it like, is. that was a winning when we can go back to making a hundred minute movies. Oh, my God. Everything is going to be so much better. Yeah. So the this is extremely grim men's hours but so the way that i spent christmas was uh still covid positive but you know like feeling no symptoms not really feeling like i should be leaving my apartment i watched the irishman by myself on christmas day (laughs) it's a good movie which it's a terrific movie i wish it didn't look quite the way that it did but i think that there's a lot of it's like really stayed with me there's a lot of interesting stuff in it but also like just giving four hours of christmas to like a digitally de-aged Joe Pesci being like, that's what it is, and it is like that. Yeah. Like, was really just a very strange feeling. It was pretty good, but I also, you know, watching it, I couldn't... I also got the sense that Scorsese's losing his fastball a little bit. Like, there's a weird title sequence where 
like the the project used to be called I heard you paint houses. I think and that's still in and the And he credits, just left yeah. it in there and I was like, "Why why is this in here? Like there's no reason for you to put a title card of a title that's no longer the title." You know why? Cuz he doesn't You know why? Cuz he thinks that's the title of the movie. Like they <laughs> right. They said, "Well, we're going to call it The Irishman." He's like, "Well, okay, that's fine, but I'm not going to put that fucking title anywhere." In yeah, the movie. that's just yeah. like an old man being like, "Yeah, all right, it's fine. I'm not changing shit at this point. Whatever you guys want to do." Actually, I did want to talk about Pacino for a second because I would pay I, I don't know. I'd pay $10 if they advertised a movie that had Pacino in it and they said he doesn't do the Pacino voice in it. Like, he's just normal. <laughs> like, he does this old... Like, if you watch old 70s movies Val Pacino, even The Godfather, where he's just sort of like... He's got like a sort of a, a, a low-key nasal voice and he's, yeah. sort of, he's sort of wormy and stuff like that. And he does that... He does it in, uh, in Donnie Brasco, which, like, is a good movie, but also it's very old now. And then he does it for like a little bit in The Irishman. Like he has like an interesting accent for Jimmy Hoffa before he just throws that away and he's just like, ah, oh, fuck this, you go to hell. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> so like I just want him, like I, I can't imagine it's that hard for someone to ask him, look, can you just tone it down for the entire movie? And I just, it doesn't happen and I don't quite know why. I think why. that's where you're wrong, man. I don't think anyone would ever ask that's him true. to do that or could get him to do it. See, Nobody. I mean, I I feel like, didn't you write a piece about this, David, where it was like... Yes, I did. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like there's good toned down Pacino and then there's good like way over the top Pacino, like, you know... She got a he's got a, Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. That, he's completely like off script in another world in that scene, but it's incredible because you're just watching the other actors in that scene react to whatever the hell he's doing. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hank Azaria just it's, utterly flummoxed, not even in character, just flummoxed as like a person on the set. And Yeah. Like, he'd, like they'd rehearsed it and he'd done it normal, and then he was like, I've got an idea. <laughs> yeah, I see. I think that's like my favorite is like the good bad Pacino, which I think mm-hmm. like I actually have uh, like Devil's Advocate in my good good quadrant because it's clear. But I think that Vince is right. Like these are choices that he's making. Like if he identifies a deficit in the energy in the scene or in the script or whatever, or if he's just like feeling kind of frisky that day and he's literally playing the devil, like. <laughs> Devil's Advocate is... <laughs> I can't recommend that movie highly enough. I wish they made five movies like it every year. He's making an interesting acting choice, and also he's playing the literal devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, and most of what he's bringing to that part, as with all the movies he did during that period, Any Given Sunday, similar, was just him like showing up on set with a hundred scarves and being like, every one of these is a different energy. And like just putting them like... It'll be wearing two or three in a different scene. Like, it's all um, delightful. Yeah. You know what's funny is that I never saw the movie recruit but i remember the ad for it and there's one exchange with him and colin farrell and colin farrell's like you know do i have to kill anybody and then pacino goes would you like to and i remember it i think about it every day even though i don't want to and like so like when my and and like i i incorporate into my like when my kids are like oh you know what you know, do I have to go to the doctor today? I go, would you like to? Like I like that's always my dad joke re- response to everything. So I would like to get to a future where I could do some Pacino style line readings, like from House of Gucci. Not a good movie, in my opinion. The one thing that he re- he actually does, I think, do a pretty good and pretty understated job in it. But the bit that I enjoyed the most, there's a couple of scenes in it 
where he just welcomes people to a big party where everybody's eating spaghetti outdoors. <laughs> and like, I would love to welcome people to my home and be like, oh, come in. Like, you know, like giving the big, like nine out of 10 Pacino welcome yeah. to somebody. We got a great rigatoni. That <laughs> <laughs> never gets old, man. Let's, uh, let's remember a guy. Vince, every week we remember an old athlete. You want to remember a guy with us? Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, in honor of you, because you're a 49ers fan, let's remember. Remember Ty Streets? You remember that guy from mm. the 49ers? Oh, Why are Ty ooh. Streets? Good pull. Yeah. I remember him. He's a Michigan guy as well. He's yeah. Him and I, uh, I like the 49er wideout, like past Jerry Rice and like all the good ones. It's yeah. like, it's a strong, it's a strong contingent of guys. You got JJ Stokes. You have. Uh, that was the first thing I thought Brand- of was JJ Stokes yeah. when you said that. Yeah. Brandon Lloyd. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brandon Lloyd was like, he was good. better. Yeah. He yeah. Was better. And you have like, um, hang on. I got, oh, there was one more guy. Arnez Battle, who Ooh. was a quarterback, oh, yeah. but then became a wideout and became a pretty decent one. There are a lot of good quality guys on that. It's much better than the Bears all time receiving list that we looked at with Kalen. God, I've been ago. thinking about that all <laughs> since like last week. We were like, so no, David Terrell is sixth. I don't know. I didn't know how that happened, but it was just like the grimmest collection of dudes. By the way, I was looking at this this chart, uh, Vince, before uh, before we went on the air, and Bernie Casey is on here, and I forgot that Bernie. I remember Bernie Casey as an actor, and I forgot that he was a professional football player. I didn't even remember that myself. Yeah, what so, era so was that? Was, it's like 1966 or oh, something okay, like sure, that. Sure. But I only remember him as you know. I only remember him as the guy from. Revenge of the Nerds, who gives mm-hmm. the nerds a charter, even though he doesn't really want to. <laughs> and he was uh, he was Felix Leiter to Roger Moore's James Bond or something like that, I think. that He was like his, his best buddy. Uh, Real, uh, at least remembering Roger Moore more or less counts as remembering a guy, too. That's so. a to- it totally does. Let's open up the fun bag. We don't have much time, but let's do it. Uh, Mike writes in, and this is very typical, uh, you and Roth were a little unfair to the uni pizza oven. I have a 12-inch gas one. I pull it out. Very unfair. I pull it out two to three times a month in the summer. And when not in use, it stores into the box. That's a little bit bigger than a carry-on suitcase. Also, my pizza steel takes less space than a cookie sheet. Get on the pizza bandwagon, smoke boy. I have to tell you that his, his argument in favor of the oven, that he uses it only twice a month, three months a year, and it... It's as big as a suitcase when you got put it away. Those are not selling points to me, Roth. Am I? Am, were we being too unfair to the pizza oven? I think it sounds sick, Vince. You have I one have an uni, just... uh, wood, like the wood pellet uni, and uh, I've fuck been temp- off, really. I've been temporarily banned from using it because I get too angry at it because it never <laughs> works right, and I will ruin like two days of work when I. So the first time I used it, uh, like I couldn't get the hopper like the wood pellet hopper to work right uh and i actually like i ruined an entire i ruined a table and i ruined a pair of shoes because like i dropped uh, oh my god hot, uh wood pellets on him trying to get it to work and that was the first time i used it um and then every time since then i've either like ruined a pizza or set something on fire and yeah i don't know where i stand on it because every once in a while you do get a great pizza out of it but I've my ratio of things that I've ruined and uh, times I've made myself really angry to good pizzas is really high at this point. You really are a dad yeah. now. Yeah. You, oh, if yeah. you have yeah. like if you have a project that you obsess over but makes you angry ninety percent of the time, that's dad shit. That's very yeah. Good. That's the lifestyle right yeah. there. I do feel like also that's a it's a California it's like a space mm-hmm. thing. But this is what we talked about I think when we were talking about the pizza oven like. 
it's not like I couldn't ruin a pair of shoes while cooking something. I, that could happen tonight. Like, it really wouldn't surprise me in the least. But I don't have anywhere to put it. Like, I can't put it on the roof. Someone will call the fire department. I don't have any other space outside of my apartment, you know, to have it. I would love to have a pizza oven. Like, I would love to make pizza, if, even if it did involve periodically scotching a table and a pair of shoes <laughs> in the process. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I think... Um, I, I want to get on the record vis-a-vis the, the uni pizza oven. Like, if I could, I definitely would, even if it did make me mad. I mean, I think it would just be nice. Like, we make pizza in our dumb wall oven, and it's super smoky, and we do it anyway because it's fun to make pizza. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the regular oven, like, you're going to smoke up your house, but you will mostly get good pizzas, whereas yeah, uh, the uni there, it's, it's so small that there's not a lot of uh, margin for error in terms of you know, rotating the pizza and getting it in. You only have like eight inches of clearance between the bottom of the oven and the top. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really frustrating. And do you have to buy the, whatever the, there's a name for it, but like the paddle. The pizza peel. Yeah, you see, that's the thing. You get, you think you're just going to get the pizza oven and then you need like 10 other accessories to make it work right. You need like the turner, the peel, uh, like a brush to scrape off the bottom. Like it's a whole... It's a whole lifestyle. It's a big commitment, and I don't. I don't even know if I'm ready for it yet. And I have a backyard where it had. There's plenty of space for it. Uh, let's do. You get the whole rest of your life to sort it yeah. out. I believe in you. Let's do one more. I really want pizza now. I just want cooked properly and not. By yeah, we're ending this podcast early so Drew can go get a damn slice. Uh, this is from Robert. He says, "At what point do the networks put their top pregame analysts out to pasture?" A lot of these guys have been retired longer than most NFL players have been alive. Since he's been retired for 29 years, Boomer 25, Howie 29, and Bradshaw 39 years. Does it even matter? Vince, why are these motherfuckers all so old? Why can't they get anybody who like seems like to have a pulse to replace these people? I don't understand it either. Like Every time I see Terry Bradshaw, I kind of wonder, like, what is this guy bringing to the table uh, at this point? He's um, so old! <laughs> yeah. But and they have him doing, like, skits and shit like that. Yeah, like, his whole role there is constantly being the guy that, like, doesn't, like, just makes really obvious mistakes or has something fall down on his toes. And he's like, oh, no, my toes. <laughs> like, it's, like, very broad comic relief. Yeah, but I think it also raises the question of, like, how good do we need that person to be at analysis? Like, how much more analysis right. do we even really need? Like... Yeah, there's so many of them too now. There's yeah. like six different 65-year-old guys like just hurriedly reading three sentences of script about like the first half of the whatever Bucks Raiders game. Yeah. I mean, you I like, yeah. I feel like, like I feel like every one of those studio shows seems to have a like a designated young guy. So they'll bring like Nate Burleson on CBS and the like Tony Gonzalez is the young guy in the Fox set. Even though like Tony Gonzalez is probably like 50 now. Like so it's 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 weird to me because I guess they just accept that like young er <laughs> young er people like us aren't gonna watch this shit regardless. So they may as well if it's gonna be a geriatric art audience, they may as well trot out Terry Bradshaw to be like the sad clown or some shit like that. Sure. Holding a briefcase full of money. Yeah, let the old guys have their guy. You know, you yeah. need one guy that speaks to the why don't they just run uh, the wing T over there? That always worked for us. Yeah. If Phil Simms definitely doing that, where he's like, would a computer dial up that play every time there's an interception or something? Just like leaning into whatever, the anti-analytics, but he like can't be bothered to learn what analytics is because he's only got like 75 hours to live. His hair, his hair has become very, very special 
Like like yeah. the hair, and he's got glasses, and he's got weird plastic surgery. So he looks like this like this doll that someone forgot to take out of the attic. Like it's very very special <laughs> to me to see Phil Sims now. I do think I slightly <laughs> prefer the old dumb jock to the like Nate Silver analytics guy at this point. Like because I can't. Yes. The the mathematician stats. I just I can't deal with it. They're well, they're never going to put those guys on on TV. Like it's one thing. Like it took them so many years to have there be like a former official in a little room wearing a suit explaining why every call is actually secretly correct. <laughs> they are never, ever, ever going to have anybody go on TV and explain how quarterback rating is calculated. Right. Well, who's the guy? Like they shouldn't. Who's the guy that has like the rolled up sleeves and he like got famous on election night for people like, oh, everybody likes it when he turns Kornacki. Steve Kornacki. And it's like, yeah. what, what are we doing here? Like we get... <laughs> Like it's like they they have that guy who's like the temporary hero of the resistance, like Mueller or whatever, and then we yeah. and, but then he just carries on, and we're stuck with him because of a meme like seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, that would it would be funny if that was if everybody still had to pretend that Robert Mueller was like really uh, like charismatic and was going to rescue <sighs> us because that was. Like the people were writing fan fiction about him, and then they finally rolled him out to talk to the Senate, and he was just exactly what you'd yeah. expect. Like he was like an embalmed cop, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like with all of the charisma that you would expect from that. Yeah. We gotta go. It's been a great podcast. Brandon Nixon, Corinne Walls are our producers. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer, and our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium. Right now, just go to StitcherPremium.com and use the promo code STRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And subscribe to Defector.com too while you're at it. Go read Vince Mancini over at UpRocks.com and listen to his podcast. Because how can you not, you can't listen to enough podcasts in your life. His podcast is Pod Yourself a Gun. The best Sopranos, the only Sopranos podcast that exists. If you like it when Drew sings on this podcast, you are going <laughs> to fucking love Matt Lee. Mother. <laughs> Vince, thanks for coming on. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.